Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. And amen. You can tell I'm all fired up this weekend. God is too good to get depressed, discouraged, and sad. We're talking about the Lord's work and workforce. This is part number three. And uh, we're going to read through Colossians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse number 7 through verse number 12 to kind of refresh on some of the verses, not all the verses. We actually, as we open this series, read all the way through to the end of Colossians chapter 4. We'll conclude next week this series, but I want to just read Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 12, and we'll have some refreshers as we go along the way. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant of the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. Verse 8, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And he continues to send greetings to churches and to individuals. And uh, gives a word to somebody that we'll discuss next week as we gather together once again. Remember that in this series so far, we've seen that the Lord's workforce, that the Lord's workforce is those that are born of the Spirit of God. And doing the Lord's work isn't just for those that are paid by the church, those that are, uh, you know, the, the leaders in the church, or even the head volunteers. It's for all of us. Everybody in the body of Christ is the Lord's workforce. We talked about that small things become of great importance. Secular things become sacred, and temporary things become eternal. Remember last time we together we learned this, and I'm going to put this statement up on the overhead because we're going to continue in these thoughts this week, that God's workforce should be helpful and encouraging. Last time we were together, we talked about Onesimus and how he was helpful. Even though he was a former slave and a runaway, he went to be his own master, that he found the master, Jesus Christ. And he became helpful in the ministry because he himself had received help, that he was helped with his salvation, and he was now becoming helpful in the ministry, and that we all should have that heart to help practical areas, ways that we can get involved, things that we can do as Christians, being sensitive to the Spirit of God and following his will. But not only helpful, we also heard that the workforce of God should be helpful and encouraging. And encouraging. Today I want to just talk and focus on this word encouraging. I believe that right now, that after a week like we've just had, come on somebody, especially in the current condition of the climate that's around us, we need to be encouraged. I, I, I don't know about you today, maybe that's not for you, maybe this word is just going to go right over your head, but I think that it's for you because I know that this word today is for me. I need to be encouraged. And I believe everybody in this room, we all could say, hey, yeah, I've been watching the news, I've been hearing reports, I've been receiving texts and emails and saw on social media, I need some encouragement. So today, if all you get is some encouragement, then guess what? You got what you came for today because that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. <laughs> Pastor Jim, our founder, has taught us over the years that people will only go as far as they're encouraged. People will only go as far as they're 
encouraged. My dad is not here today. He's taking a vacation with my mama. They're on a, actually, it's kind of a staycation. They're just surprising each other, doing what they're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story on him. I don't know if I'll tell this tomorrow. I'll ask him if it's okay, but I think he'll be all right with you guys because he usually comes to this service. But uh, he, he, as a child, very gifted in art, very gifted in music. And he was told by his father that that will never make any money. That what are you doing? You're wasting your time. And so he just followed in his father's footsteps working for the phone company all his life, but continues to serve. And now, I mean, my goodness, this guy is on genius level, especially when it comes to computers. He actually wrote the program for our church that uh, checks in all the FDC clients and that sort of a thing. Why? Because he started to get encouraged, started to believe that he could do something, started to, to know that, that as he put his hand to things and never said no and had a great attitude, that his bosses and the people around him started to encourage him. See, if what would have happened if his father would have encouraged him and not hindered him. People will only go as far as they're encouraged. I am the man of God that I am. I am the pastor that I am. I am the husband that I am. I am the father that I am. I am the person and the friend that I am. Why? Because I have a network of people around me that are encouraging me and saying, Dan, you can do it. Come on, pastor. You've got this. Uh, you know, text messages and, and all this week, man, people have been, been just pouring out their love and their support. The reason that I can stand with a smile on my face today is because I have people around me that are encouraging me. And you need people around you that can encourage you. And hopefully every time you get into the Bible, hopefully every time you get into the Word, maybe you don't have a network, maybe you don't have a friend on the planet, but guess what? You have a friend in Jesus, and Jesus believes in you. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows your failures and your flaws and still says you can do it. Still says, I'll give you my spirit. Still says, I'll give you my power. Come on, you can go further. You don't have to listen to what your daddy said that's hindering you and holding you back. You can go farther. You can go faster. You can go longer. You've got this. See, encouragement is lovely. Encouragement is light giving where there was darkness, where there was a shroud around you, where there was depression and discouragement. Now all of a sudden, it brings light and it brings life. It shows up as a lovely thing. It's like somebody wearing a beautiful fragrance and they walk by you and just being in their presence lifts you. My goodness, encouragement will do that. Paul knew that Tychicus would be a comfort to the Colossians, and that's why he sent him in particular. He looked at the prayers of Epaphras, and it was stirred enough to tell the people about him so that they would know, hey, you've got somebody that's in your corner, somebody that's on your side. He looked at the love and faithfulness of Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, and felt comfort himself. Don't you know the Apostle Paul needed some comfort? He needed some encouragement, right? Because he had all these people coming against him. He had riots being stirred up. He had the Jews following him from place to place, trying to shut down his ministry. He had the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that was buffeting him. But see, it helped Paul, and it helped the church to go farther than they could have on their own. People will only go as far as they are encouraged. And so today I want to just talk to you about being an encourager, being somebody who is life-giving, light-giving, somebody who is lovely, and somebody who can lift others around you just by simply being an encouragement. So today, how to be encouraging. You ever think that you'd come to church and hear somebody teach you how to be an encourager? Here we go. How to be encouraging. Number one is this. Number one is simply this, is do what God would do. You remember those bracelets? What would Jesus do? WWJD, right? It's a wonderful question. What would God do in this situation? Would God put someone down? 
or would God build someone up? Would God offer assistance or would he ignore and look the other way? What would Jesus do if he was in this situation? We need to think about what God would do and then do what God would do. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also, right? Where, where I am, there my servant will also be. We're going to be right there in the midst of the work with Jesus. We just need to do what God would do. And as you do what God would do, because God is an encourager, because God is a builder, because God is a lift up type of a God, you will be naturally doing the works of God and being encouragement to others. One of the names often mentioned in the New Testament, and, and we see here in Colossians 4, is the name Barnabas. Barnabas. In fact, I was looking him up all throughout the book of Acts, all throughout the epistles. You'll find Barnabas is all over the place. Now, Barnabas didn't write any books that we know of. Uh, some people thought maybe he's the author of Hebrews, um, but, but, you know, the Pauline uh, authorship is most likely. When you look at that, no one really knows who wrote Hebrews because it doesn't have any definitive statement in there about it. So some people do think that maybe Hebrews was written by Barnabas, but we don't know. But by and large, Barnabas is somebody that at a casual reading of the Bible, you might see his name and not really think too much about because Paul and some of the Peter and the apostles and the different things that were going on are maybe more prevalent. Even Luke, who wrote two of the books of the Bible, you would probably know his name more readily than you would Barnabas. And yet Barnabas was a man on the scene. Barnabas was a man who was all around. In fact, the apostles liked this guy so much that they had a nickname for him. Barnabas isn't even his real name. That's what they named him, and it means son of encouragement. Bar meaning son of, and Nabus meaning encouragement. Barnabas. They said, you know what? Your name is not Joe. It's not Joe. That's not your name. Your name is Barnabas. And this man encouraged the apostles. When we act like God, we become sons of our father. Is that right? So when we act like God, we become a Barnabas. So here's my statement for all of us today. Be a Barney. Oh, come on, you guys. Not that Barney. But wait a second. Why do people like this big purple dinosaur? I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. You guys are all singing it. You guys like Barney. Why? Because he's an encourager. Have you ever thought about that? Why did this guy go crazy and a sensation? Is because simply he encouraged people. He loved people and he believed in people. And it's the same thing with us as the church. The kids love Barney because he's an encourager, but guess what? People will love us when we be a Barney, whether it's this type of a Barney or the Barney that we're talking about, a son of an encourager. Son of Jesus, son of God, somebody who goes out and does what God would do. Barnabas was a true encourager all throughout the Bible. And encouragers will go out of their way for others. In fact, encouragers will even defend others if they need to be defended because that is what encouragers do. Turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 9. I'm going to read verse number 26 through verse number 28. Acts chapter 9, verse number 26. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation, but you can read along in whatever translation you have. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through 28 says this. It says, when Saul, now Saul is the name that Paul had before he switched over to Paul, but he had just gotten saved. And it says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Rightfully so. This guy was terrorizing the church. He was dragging Christians out of their home to be locked up, and he had letters in his hand to go to Damascus. 
and to persecute the church when he got knocked off his high horse by Jesus and got radically saved. And so he goes to Jerusalem and he tries to meet with the believers, but they're like, we don't trust you. You're, you're, you're coming in like a snake. We're not, we're not going to do that. They were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Verse 27, then Barnabas comes out and starts singing, I love you. Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now listen, Barnabas simply believed the best in someone else. This guy's not a terrorist. He, he was knocked off his horse, and guess what? He was also preaching in the name of Jesus. Come on, guys. Let's bring him in. Let's raise this guy up. He's an asset. He's not a liability. He's not going to persecute us. He's going to bless us and going to build us. This guy, God has big plans for him. Come on. Let's bring him along. And look at what happens after Barnabas gets involved. Verse 28, so Saul stayed with the apostles. He got an upgrade, didn't he? He wasn't just hanging out with the church, the believers. Now, all of a sudden, he's hanging out with the leadership. Why? Because Barnabas got involved. He learned from the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them. With who? With the apostles. Preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Wow. All because Barnabas defended him and got involved in building this man, not breaking him down. Now, this isn't an isolated incident either. You'll find Barnabas took John Mark with him on a missionary journey with him and Paul, and all of a sudden you find out in one of the scriptures that, that John Mark went home, probably got homesick, missed his mama, that sort of a thing. That's just my, my thoughts, my conclusion. Maybe he just said this missionary work isn't for me. I don't know what happened. But at one point, he went back to Jerusalem. And then Paul went to Barnabas and said, hey, Barnabas, let's go back and talk to all the churches. Let's go and see how they're all doing. Barnabas says, good, I'll go get John Mark. Paul says, uh-uh, no. What are you talking about, Willis? He abandoned us. That kid's not good for anything, you know? And so Barnabas says, no, we're going to bring him with us. We, we have to. We gotta, we, he's, he's good. He's, he's useful in the ministry. No, 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 we're not bringing him with us. The, the argument got so bad, Paul finally said, that's it. You, you want to take him? You take him on your own. I'm not going with you. I'm taking Silas. And they went one way. Barnabas and John Mark went the other way. And, and, and they were divided at that point. But then all of a sudden you find Paul in the book of Colossians saying, if John Mark comes to you, welcome him. Not putting him down. Welcome him. Receive him. Another place you'll find him in Timothy talking about bring John Mark with you because he's useful for me in the ministry. What happened? Could it be that Barnabas took his little nephew, raised him up, and encouraged him just like he encouraged Paul, just like he'd encouraged the apostles, just like he encouraged others, raised this young man up to where this young man no longer was a fool, no longer was an abandoner, no longer was not useful. Now, all of a sudden, he becomes someone who is useful in the ministry. Let's be a Barney, and let's encourage others. Can anybody say amen? Second thing is this, second thing is this, is to give what you have been given. Sometimes all we need to encourage someone else is to look at what encourages us and give that to others. You should be encouraged that you're saved, encouraged that you're healed, encouraged that you're delivered, encouraged that you're victorious, encouraged that you're blessed, and so much more. Share that blessing with others. If there's something that built you, start to build other people. Somebody just dropped a little card on your desk saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, and that encouraged you. Why not do that for someone else? You know, the world calls that paying that forward, right? 
uh, you ever heard of the challenge on some of the radio stations? Buy for the person behind you in the, in the line, you know, the checkout line, or maybe in the line at the coffee shop or at the drive-thru. You know, make the drive-thru difference, I think is what they call it. Just being an encouragement to somebody else. Oftentimes when I do that, I tell the person at, at the bar, I say, hey, can I pay for the person behind me? Say, well, yeah, of course, sure, sure. And so I pay for it, and then I say, you better tell them Jesus loves them when they come. Now, this may be an atheist, maybe a complete terrorist. It could be a Satanist. I don't know. But guess what? They're going to declare the gospel to that person right there. I, and guess what's going to happen to the person behind me? Wow, I got this for free, and Jesus loves me? They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be lifted. What do you want people to do for you? Whatever that is, find that and start to give it to other people. You know, if you study the animal kingdom, you'll find that there are many examples of different encouragements in the animal kingdom even. In the bitter cold of the Arctic, the penguins all gather together and they take turns going from the inside to the outside to shield the rest of the, the group from the bitter cold. And, and they rotate around and they're all moving around. And as they move around, some of them are in the middle, toasty, warm. Oh man, this feels great, right? But then they'll work their way out and go, ooh, brr, that's cold. But somebody else is on the inside and they continue to circulate around protecting each other. Canadian geese, as they're making their migration, and as they're flying, they're actually flying that V formation. And the reason why they do that is because every time the front one does this with its wings and provides lift for the one behind it to where it doesn't have to put as much pressure and on all the way down that V. Now, as you can imagine, the one that's out in front gets tired. And so the ones behind it, if you ever hear them honking, right? What they're doing is they're saying, you can do it. Keep going. Come on, keep going on. Keep moving forward. You've got this, right? But then eventually when that one gets tired, it finds its way to the back and takes a rest. Oh, it's easy street back here. This is great, right? And someone else moves their way to the front, and now they're taking it on. But that one in the back is like, hey, thanks for taking the front, man. I really appreciate it. You're the best. You to bomb.com. I don't know where I brought that back from the 2000s, but guess what? It's still working. You got this. You're good. Wow. And if the animal kingdom can do it, Without the size brains we have or opposable thumbs, come on somebody. How much more can the church of Almighty God start to encourage other people around us? Find what you would want and give it to someone else. I love what Martin Luther wrote in a letter titled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. Come on. During the time of the Black Plague in 1526, he wrote this. He said, because we know that it's the devil's game to induce such fear and dread, we should in turn minimize it. Take such courage as to spite and annoy him and send those terrors right back to him. And we should arm ourselves with this answer to the devil. Get away, you devil, with your terrors. Just because you hate it, I'll spite you by going the more quickly to help my sick neighbor. No, you'll not have the last word. If Christ shed his blood for me and died for me, why should I not expose myself to some small dangers for his sake and disregard this feeble plague? If you can terrorize, Christ can strengthen me. If you can kill, Christ can give life. If you have poison in your veins, Christ has far greater medicine. Should not my dear Christ with his precepts, his kindness, and his encouragement... Be more important in my spirit than you, roguish devil, with your false terrors in my weak flesh. God forbid! Get away, devil! Here is Christ, and here am I, his servant in this work. Let Christ prevail. Amen. We ought to say amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 24, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 10, verse 24 and verse 25 in the New Living Translation once again says this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another 
to acts of love and good works. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Somebody say encourage. Oh, somebody say it again, say encourage. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Last thing for us today, how to be an encourager is speak faith. Do what God would do. Find out what you want done for yourself and do it for somebody else. And speak faith. Say what God would say, has said, is saying. Declare the word of God, church, if ever. Right now, in the midst of this current darkness, in the midst of this current trial, we need to be a people who get back to faith. If you've gotten off faith, it's time to get back to faith. You've never been in faith. Maybe you just kind of gave your heart and life to the Lord. And you're learning this thing. Let me describe to you what this looks like. You find the word of God and you start to declare it and you believe it. You don't let anybody get you off of it. We're declaring that by his stripes we were healed. Let that be an encouragement to you. We declare that a thousand may fall at our side, 10,000 our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Come on, we need to be encouraging one another with these words. We need to declare God's got this. He's working all things together for the good of those that love him and who are called according to his pur- purpose. That God is working in me to will and to do his good pleasure that I am on the highway of holiness, that I've got this. God is my provider. Start to declare in faith and start to speak in faith and give what God has already given you, that word of faith. It's time for the believers to speak up. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 14 in the message says, we're not keeping this quiet. No, 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 we're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe, and what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to speak faith. Come on, somebody ought to give the Lord a praise for that today. How do we be an encourager? Number one, do what God do. Number two, give what you've been given. And number three, speak faith. I think we ought to speak a faith declaration right now. Would you guys like to do that? Everybody say these words. Say, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Jesus heals me, delivers me, and leads me. I will be helpful and encouraging. I stand in the gap for our world to be saved delivered, healed, and blessed like I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord a great big praise today. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.